Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Can you do a post-mortem or maybe post-mortem is a little morbid, but how did the event go um, at Hazelden? What can you tell oh, us about it from the wrap up? Yeah, it was, it was uh, uh, amazing. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't for writers per se. It was just for anyone. Like everyone in 12-step recovery does some writing, right? There's a few lists, you know, along the way, right? Right, right. And so this was uh, a workshop by um, um, Maria Hornbacker, a New York Times bestselling author. She's write, written a couple of memoirs. Uh, she's uh, a journalist. She's an English professor and, um, you know, in recovery. So uh, from uh, sort of anorexia and food disorders and also uh, substance use disorder as well. So she's written books. Um, one was called the first one I ever interviewed her on for the fix.com was waiting a non-believers higher power in 2011 and uh, wasted was about uh, food disorders mm -hmm. and uh, sane was about bipolar and recovery in the 12 steps and uh, there's another one called madness all I love all the one word titles turners yeah yeah my favorite filmmaker Michael Mann he likes to do the really terse titles that are almost like elements on the periodic table like that's how yeah and yeah. and I, I would say of this thing it wasn't so much what people got out of it it's what it drew out of them like a lot of these people wouldn't consider themselves writers per se but the mm. exercises that we were doing uh you know people were coming up with some very insightful stuff and uh profound you know to themselves mm. and to everybody and then there was this general like on the saturday night just uh offering uh prompts and people were doing just you know prose or poetry or whatever they want and you know we were you know, taking pauses from time to time to read some of them and some like just really vulnerable and uh, really creative uh, use of english language it was uh people from seven months sobriety to 49 years sobriety one of them celebrating wow. a couple of people ca came there to celebrate their anniversary sort of their their AA or whatever 12-step mm -hmm. program they're in reward to themselves. And the more fanfare you can bring to those kinds of celebrations or observations or the cake day, you know, the better. Yeah, it's important to honor our progress. You know, we spend so much time, like if we're going to be talking about fear and talking about finance, that's, and we're touching on my day job stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know. Mine too. Yeah, people uh, tend to, um, like, what's the uh, talk around the coffee pot, right? Uh, quote, unquote, outside issues. It's romance, it's finance, work, right? There's ways within our construct, there's ways within uh, emotional sobriety to sort of look at uh how am I doing? How is my uh, financial hygiene, right? Uh, am I achieving my goals? Am I getting further away from my goals? Uh, are my goals in line with my values? All the things that were trained in recovery uh, can mm -hmm. easily be applied to these things that seem overwhelming until you put pen to paper and, and do it with somebody else. It's that isolation, you know, that 
the the monsters get bigger the shadows get bigger uh you know against the wall that's definitely one of the nutshells is isolation i just i just finished a text with a client of mine who's going through a lot of stuff right now just just with an event that she's going to and the one thing i could tell is, is i appreciate she was reaching out to me but but uh she wasn't talking to anybody else and i just you know I, she and she's there with her with her boyfriend and i just said you know, talk to Matt. And it's like, you know, and, and she, and she just sent back a note and said, I have, and that, that helps, you know, it's like simple as that. Just, just yeah. don't do it. I mean, we, and I have to be reminded of that as much as, you know, to today, maybe not as much as I used to, but occasionally I need to be reminded, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm just in these deep conversations in my own head that are likely just to be like spinning the wheels in the mud. Say it has to do with money. Your mm -hmm. sponsor doesn't have to be a financial advisor to talk in general terms. Like it, just sometimes when we're doing a, an inventory, we find we do need professional help for this mm -hmm. or that. And we mm -hmm. might identify areas where we do. But first, we've got to get uh, in line with things like, what were my attitudes about money that I was programmed with? And are mm -hmm. they my values or am I still carrying around the baggage from another generation? Uh, you know, about mm -hmm. debt, about uh, borrowing and uh, saving and uh, planning for the future. Uh, all of those are cultural things as much as they are practical things. Yeah, yeah. And, the and, and the other thing is, it's just it's just uh, uh, expression, you know, expression, not repression. It's just like you got to yes. you got to you got to put it out there, even if there's no solution. You know, they're very how often I mean, we, when we approach every conversation like we're supposed to have some it's, it's it's like a problem solving thing. Lots of them are, but lots of lots of times the, the, the problems are being solved when we're just expressing ourselves. I mean, think about how many times just just in our own process that when we're thinking out loud, you, when I'm talking to you and saying something out loud, I'm hearing myself from a different perspective. You know, right. I may be projecting that onto you and imagining I'm seeing what, what I'm thinking, what, what Joe and Patrick are thinking. But what I'm really doing is I'm think, I'm seeing myself from different points of view within my own consciousness. And so, you know, I, how often do we catch ourselves when we're saying something out loud to somebody and go like, you know, I just realized what I said was stupid. You know, it's like, I'm, oh, I'm missing the point. But I didn't know that while it was in here. That Why do we say uh, identify as someone with substance use disorder or alcoholic mm -hmm. or however mm -hmm. we identify? Hearing it said changes yeah. our consciousness, Absolutely. especially if it's our voice. And Alan talks about coming up with novel solutions. Well, where are they going to come from without uttering, uh, you know, what? You know, what are the rules of the game here? Uh, what, what's the problem we need to deal with? Right. What are some potential solutions? Well, when you say novel solutions, it's, it's like it does that that's, can mean if I talk to other people that I'm going to get some I'm, as I speak to you and Patrick about this, some of the novel solutions may be coming from your minds. But the other thing is, is if I again, the expression, not repression, it's like if I'm if I'm speaking it out loud, that, you know, then mm -hmm. that, that invites other aspects of myself to join the conversation. Yes. Exactly. You know, because because, yeah. you know, I, I've often tell people or demonstrate that to people that if you'll say something, I'll have them make a statement that they I seem that they're making and then say, what do you hear next in your head? And a lot of times it is an immediate most of the times it's an immediate response to what they just said. You mm -hmm. know, it may be it may be validation. 
well, I just realized that's really true. Or, you know, if, if, if I'm having them say, okay, well, just say that you're a piece of shit out loud. You know, what do you, what do you hear next? It's like, you know, maybe it's just a little bit of doubt, you know, yeah. well, that's coming from you. I'm going to uh, ask you guys a question. And then I think, I think we should drop anchor and, and, get on to the theme for today, even though we've been okay. kind of pawing at it. Is it so this I, isn't it. <laughs> this is part I'm of it. This is part I'm of tell it. it. I hope you're recording. You should just get this shit. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Alan likes to ask how everybody's emotional sobriety is today. And so I thought we could go around and check in about that, starting with Tom. To the degree that the emotional sobriety is about congruence, about, about um, feeling what I, what I feel like is a, a um, what I'm saying and how I'm acting is is uh, what I'm feeling is probably true. It's like there's a little stuckness in me, but I'm preoccupied. I'll just say it that way. I'm preoccupied. I'm going to a, I go to my uh, this um, this appointment tomorrow with a doctor that that uh, this is uh, I, I I think is li is likely they're going to. The way I say it is they're trying to pin a cancer diagnosis on me, and and I don't have a good lawyer. So it's, uh, I, you know, I, I think we're going to, I mean, the good, the news could be good. We've already ruled out some really scary things that, that, so I'm feeling good, but I'm preoccupied with it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I noticed that while you guys were talking at the beginning, it's like my mind wasn't even, I would, I realized I wasn't even listening to what you were saying. Cause I, and I couldn't tell you what I was thinking, but I know I was somewhere else. Man, I relate to that pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So you, to me, the emotional sobriety part is being honest about that. Not see, I think sometimes one of the things we we can do is is people we, we're so good at being judgment judgmental of ourselves, and it's like you know we think of, of oh, emotional sobriety would mean I would be in harmony with everything and feeling wonderful, and it's like, and I don't think of it that way. I think of it as just being real, you know. It's mm -hmm. like you know, and 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 not 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 expression not repression i'm not hiding from it i'm trying to i'm trying to pay attention to it and even finding the places where i'm you know and as i as you asked me to talk about it out loud i i can i can't even identify them verbally but i can feel the glitch i call the glitches inside of me where there are places where i'm just i'm i'm going like oh, okay well there's some places there I don't want to go uh, you know, there's some, th oh, oh, I don't want to go down that path. It's like, but I'm, but I'm aware of it and I have no problem at all. I'm grateful for this, uh, admitting that to, to you two. So, nice. so, so I feel real. That's what I feel. Whether that's emotionally sober or not, but that I, it, it's, it feels good to me. And can I'm I glad just, to be with you guys. Can I just say I'm, that really helps the rest of us, Tom. And, and I mean, it has a lot recently mm -hmm. and um, you know, your vulnerability and, um, and externalizing the uh, interior conversation um, in a way that like, yeah, it's, we, we, we all try to, you know, or many of us try to um, maintain clean lines, I guess, in the way that we present to others. But um, the lines are, in my case anyway, often very uh, unclean and, uh, you know, ill-defined. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, it's one of the things that... that um that I'll tell people about, you know, like, like, uh, and I, the, the young woman who wrote a, a bestseller called life without Ed, that, that I mm -hmm. worked with her on that, that book. And, um, uh, and one of the, one of the things when she and I were a long time ago, when we were presenting on that stuff, I would say, you know, and, and, I, and, and Jenny would say the same thing. She would, she would point out that she says, you know, in the book, you know, a couple of three pages and I have this wonderful insight. You know, and it's like, like in, in, in act, and we're it's, a lot of the book is about our therapy together. It's like, and in, in what she would point out is like, that's not how it was. 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't two or three pages. It was, you know, some of this stuff might've been faster than other things, but it was, it was messy and it was, it was, it was deep and it was dark and sorting through that stuff. And it's like, it's yeah. So I, I noticed that one of the, one of the things I have to be careful about in writing like case about case examples in, in, in my, in my books, um, is, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make it seem like it's just, you know, if I'm, you know, I, first of all, I don't want to make it like, oh, I'm saying what a great therapist I am. If, if you talk to me, I'm going to, I'm going to cure you. It's like, but just to get down into the, to the gritty parts of that and even, even talk, even give examples and, and places where there is no cl clear or even like you to use your word, clear resolution, but there's, there's movement. You know, because that's part of a big part of what we do is we're just looking for where we're stuck and how can we get ourselves unstuck? Because mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just believe that if we're moving, it's better than if we're not. It's like we, you know, and a lot of times, I mean, there's some in some places that, you know, I, I stayed stuck for years. And the Likewise. more you spin your tires, the deeper it goes into the mud, as I remember. There was probably a time when I thought of emotional sobriety as being free from that life on the edges the fear <laughs> the you know overwhelming love the mm -hmm. anger the frustration the existential angst mm -hmm. but it's living consciously isn't it it's being willing to do that and in the last couple of weeks uh, there's things I felt great longing for and why keep them to myself, right? If I'm concerned about people or want to talk to people, get them on the phone, set some time up and uh, work. These things can be done one at a time, no matter how much sand is in the top of the hourglass, only one bead at a time comes through the neck. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how overwhelming my things to do list seems to be, I can still only do one thing at a time and it gets done. Mm -hmm. Eventually all of that sand up there is down below and you turn mm -hmm. it over and you do it again. And uh, the last couple of weeks have been like that for me where I see myself not trying to defend myself from how I feel, mm -hmm. but uh, just be aware of it and be conscious of it and when i need to talk about it there are a zillion ways we have to say it but it's getting out of our own way sometimes a gut check is better than you know uh an intellectual yeah. approach yeah, to absolutely things. be here we, now yeah well we like to say that you know our problems are not really our problems and that it's our the way that we react to um the situations that challenge us that really makes them what they are, or that really kind of um, puts us on one path or another, positive or negative. Uh, it's how we're reacting. It's not the thing. And I guess to some extent, what I wanted us to talk about today was when the problem is really glaring, you know, when you're pushed into a corner and matters of finance, matters of physical health can do this, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, Sometimes that that becomes like a contest, you know, this, it's, mm. it's the, pro, the the reaction, the opportunity for reaction, the space for it, the latitude to actually kind of like put some um, 
you know, put some ground between you and the thing that's eating you, you know, starts well, you're to shrink. And let me see if I got this right, though. You're talking about what one of the, in, in my book, Embracing Fear, the first thing I talk about, I think, is, I think it's, that's the first thing I talk about is, is we, ha we have to we have to understand and, and learn to to perceive the difference between healthy fear and, and neurotic mm -hmm. fear. It's like, uh, it's, well, right. Uh, and, and if you allow me an anecdote, um, because yeah. I, uh, I, there's a situation my girlfriend has a chronic health condition. Um, she, uh, it's a very real, it's not, it's, it's, um, I don't believe it's psychosomatic. It, she can, uh, stay awake. She sleeps for much of the day. Um, and, uh, for a few hours towards the end of the day, she kind of has a spike of energy and she's able to take care of some business, but it's been, um, a condition that's worsened over time and it's debilitating. And, um, I had a uh, a long day earlier this week um, where we were trying to get some healthcare coverage for her. Um, you know, first, uh, well, you know, she's been in the process of navigating, um, you know, the uh, the Obamacare uh, and then this thing called Medi-Cal, uh, you know, for our state, and um, and it's just been this Byzantine kind of like Mobius strip of not being able to get the coverage necessary to go to a doctor and kind of like get into a process of addressing these issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think like one of the days this week, I actually sat with her and we were on the phone with a, with a couple different institutions, just trying to get to the bottom of this thing and um, really not ending up, not no further than when we started. <laughs> I suppose like a, a positive spin I could put on that is that like, well, this teaches me some things. It, it, this is information I can add to my quiver now as we continue this journey of trying to, you know, to get her. Uh, Here, here's, a, here's a list of things that won't work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah um, I got it. But, you know, like I was in a funk for like uh, a couple of days and I only really yesterday I, I, I went to go speak on a panel for AA um, and got moving, got out of my own head, uh, mm -hmm. to talk to some people, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack that a bit, but, um, like experiences like that really for me f cause a flare in all of the negative voices in my head that just try and tell me that it's all fucked. You know, <laughs> there's very little you can do to kind of like, you know, uh, um, to create an outcome that you would like and, uh, you know, a, a discouragement from really trying, you know, from being in, in a, um, movement mentality. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I expect that like everybody has experiences like that. Everybody has these kind of ongoing, you know, life challenges and, and, you know, I, and I, maybe it's just me, but like, I, I, you know, we're not always, a lot of men, younger men, you know, that I deal with in recovery aren't always as forthcoming about this type of thing. I think there's maybe right. some shame, some, some shame associated and, with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's, that's me anyway. That's what kind of got mm -hmm. me into thinking about um, big problems. Well, and, and her, her, your, your experience together with that, but with, with beginning with, with her medical condition, it's like, yeah, that's a great, that's an example of, you know, healthy, healthy fear. Now it doesn't mean everything we're doing about it is healthy, but it's, it means, it means, you know, there, cause there are a lot of the neurotic fears we, we do is we go in there and we, we talk to each other and we, and we kind of find out, you know, I'm, I'm making up something to be afraid of. 
You know, it's like it's real. It's it's real in the fact that it's a real feeling. But you're talking about there is something that is not only it's not only the fear about the condition itself, but just that that ridiculously frustrating thing that you know, we, without going off into to politics of comparing our country to to Joe's, uh, is is the idea that it, it, you know it's, it shouldn't be that fucking hard to get, get get care when you when you have a serious health issue. And, and and even before she gets the care she needs, she has to work her ass off just to just to, to get some coverage for it. It's like that's real. You know, I, I got a little insight um, because, see, I think part of the uh, the terror that seeped in when I went through this or the, or the, I guess the depression that followed is mm-hmm. I didn't I hadn't really faced it like I I my mother has been paying my health insurance through our family plan for years. Um, if I get sick, if I need to go to urgent care somewhere, like I, I, I just get to do that. Um, and, you know, over time we, you know, I've been able to put in calls to my provider and kind of whittle things down and it gets more, it has gotten more manageable over time, but through the situation with my partner, I was confronted finally with like the gape, gaping maw of like how bad <laughs> it is and like how, how fucked a person can be by not having, you know, somewhere to go. And, um, and I, and anyway, so I, I was confronted with that. It was a humbling moment for me. I think I learned a lot just in one day about, you know, what, what many of us are up against. And I was telling my uh, dad about it. Um, and he, in disbelief, you know, him kind of b- being similarly insulated against like the kind of uh, the, mm-hmm. the drudgery of what most people have to do in finding an arrangement, he gets out his laptop and he starts just kind of, thinking around with his two finger, you know, typing, uh, you know, just, it can't be that difficult. Come on. You know, I mean, you, did you try calling X and Y and, you know, um, and I was literally seeing him enact the same, like, uh, you know, Abbott and Costello routine that I was, but right. Mm -hmm. That like, you know, when my girlfriend was explaining the, uh, difficulty to me and, um, I guess, I guess that parallel point can be, uh, you know, don't offer advice unless solicited people you can you can best serve right. others by listening oh my god yes but kudos by the way this may not be even accurate from your point of view but from listening to it kudos to your dad to not just 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 put out the judgment and leave it there he's a, he's actually he's actually t- at, at that time trying to test test his 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 theory there and yeah and, and and you and you know that if he were to just continue i don't know if he did or not but if he continues to do that he's going to discover the same thing it's like it, you know and i love i love to say let, let's let me check this out uh I, because i mean how many times i mean i've certainly done that as probably in my personal life but certainly as a therapist where I, the the humility factor is probably the most healing thing where i where i get to a place where i just say to my client Wow, you you were right about that. You know, I I thought this and this and this, but we, you know, you you gave it an honest try. You know, and we really haven't seen much progress from that. So I think you were right. We're going to need to come up with a different different plan. Reassurance is to fear as food is to hunger. Reassurance between us human beings is either criticism or minimization. Oh mm. no no no! You don't need to be afraid of that. Oh that, oh that's going to be not okay. That bad. Yeah, it's that you know that's it's going to be okay. It's like you know if I tell you know I don't care if I tell you I'm I'm getting on an airplane and I'm afraid to fly and you go like no no it'll be fine. Yeah well thanks a lot. <laughs> you know what's more reassuring reality. Well, that must suck for you Tom that you have to get on the airplane when you're that scared. Thank yeah. you. Yes that feels good. Yeah, and, and, and you're going to feel talking, more heard that way. 
Yeah. And that's what you're doing with, with Maddie is when you're saying that Patrick is, is your, you go in there with her experience it, you're able to look at her and, and, and go like, wow, I got, I've got this at a whole new level. What you're up against. I mean, that's empathy. Well, tell me what you think of this. Like, and I mean, I, I know that Didi's had, you know, uh, mm-hmm. some health struggles lately. Mm-hmm. And I, at a, at a certain point I realized like I've been tunnel vision on a salute, you know, quote unquote solution, you know, we're going to solve this thing. We're going to like fix her illness. And mm-hmm. that is where I need to be putting all, all my eggs in that basket. And mm-hmm. what, and I feel like the reality is that like, this is a process. It's a, it's a long-term process. It's a marathon, mm-hmm. not a sprint. And what mm-hmm. I'm not doing a good job of is just accepting in this moment that like, you know, we may, we may be on our way towards, uh, you know, um, being able to get, uh, get some leverage over, uh, the, this ailment and all the ways that it's you know affecting her and us um but for the time being i'm you know part of what's so uncomfortable about this is that like i'm just not doing a great job of just sitting with it and um you know it's i think delineating between like um surrender the the kind of like the surrender that's unproductive and the sur- surrender that's essential mm-hmm. you know can mm-hmm. sometimes get a little muddy at times well, this goes back to the to the reality part that you're that you're talking about. I, I think I think this is an oversimplification, of course, but it's I think we are we are pretty easily offended by chronicity. It's like you know the idea you're you're talking about something at least for the time being. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a, there's a cure for, for what she's talking about. But but the truth is the experience is going to be this is a chronic problem. And, and, and it's, it's like, you know, we, we really have the basics. We, we both, all three of us have a chronic condition, you know, it's, and it's addiction. It's like, you may have other chronic conditions, but it's addiction. It's like, you know, to the degree that we're doing well, we can, we can say, you know, we can say up to the point of saying it's really in remission, but it's like, it's like, none of us, none of us is foolish enough to say, I no longer have that. And 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 certainly at the beginning of the process of, of healing from our addiction, we're looking at how to manage it as opposed as, a, as opposed to just trying to cure it, you know, and that's what, you know, it, it's again, it's the whole acceptance thing. So it's yeah. And, and I mean, Dee has been through this back surgery uh, recently, but th- I mean, that's actually a, a much more straightforward. It's been difficult, but it's been a straightforward thing. Dee, she, she uh, obviously what Dee had was she was back in the, I guess at 98 or something like that. She had a, a, was diagnosed with a tick-borne disease uh, called derlichiosis. And, uh, and in, in those days, doctors were still saying people don't get these these tick-borne diseases only animals do and so the you know and the one thing that without going into details about that but one thing that is is really most dangerous about tick-borne diseases is if you don't address them quickly it's like and 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 they didn't and and, i mean our vet actually diagnosed it uh and and then we had to convince the doctor but because of that she was i mean she was i mean i won't go into the details but i mean that was a that was a long-term struggle and to this day uh there there are issues that she she knows and is now is validated by doctors still has at a, at a chronic level that is like an almost like an immune de, uh, immune deficiency uh, uh experience it's like um so Anyway, the the point there is what may help you with that, Patrick, is just is basically settling in and realize, okay, well, this is this is part of what we deal with and what she deals with on a day to day basis, and we don't we don't we need to we need to get help 
make the goal line. We because what you need with the, the coverage is you need you need medical experts to help problem solve. You know, and the other thing is your point of supporting her is supporting her. You know, by as she learns to live with this condition, as opposed to always thinking about let's get rid of it. You know what we do is we've learned to live with our condition. If you think about it, we're good examples of that. We that we you know when, when, when as long as I was trying to stop being an alcoholic, I was up I was up shit creek. You know because because I was always testing it. You know I think I oh I think I got it this time. You know. Well, I want to hear from Joe, but I, I I'll just say that like I I need a lot of work at, on how to live with this and how to live with. A lot of things. I mean, I'm just like I'm always looking ahead of the thing rather than looking at the thing clearly. If that makes well, any you've sense, come to the, you've come to the right place. <laughs> so anyway, we're we're driven by two things at our lizard brain level, and mm -hmm. I identify with this completely: fear of loss, desire for gain. And yeah. uh, when there's health problems, that triggers our fear of loss, and we want to control the outcome. We don't only want to help, we want to be able to control the outcome. So we'll only allow ourselves to think about a certain success, a certain result, as opposed to uh, just dealing with things as they are in uh, the emotional sobriety way, right? Not slipping back into sleepwalking, but stay conscious right? Deal with things as they come. We, we're, we're here in this moment together. We'll deal with whatever comes our way. And that to me is better than, you know, a force field. <laughs> because if, if I can, especially in a committed relationship, you know, face whatever comes, you know, not having to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Wow. You, you know, we, we don't know what whatever comes is going to be but you know we're all going to die we're not nobody gets out of this alive but we're gonna you know um we're gonna come up with some solutions here and we're going to accept what we have to and there's some things that we're going to say that's unacceptable we we can or will uh, change that and and in little bits like that one little bit of sand i, I talked about in financial planning, I start with what are your values? And then if you start with principles and values, then you don't need a clear plan because you're going to adjust as you go along. You're going to stay with your core principles and values of honesty, of love, of service, whatever they are. And as the challenges come, figure them out as you go. You don't need a complete roadmap to see every turn in the road uh, in your future. You've got your principles, you got your, and, and that's what recovery gave me is part of what happened to me in isolation is uh, I was, uh, I, I steal this line from gross point blank. They found I had a certain moral flexibility. Oh my God. I love that movie so much. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know and is that cusack and, is that yeah john cusack yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it made him a good hitman right yeah. you know well, this is a bad guy him. kill him <laughs> this is a good guy protect him right <laughs> i like i like and then he says he's like i know that sounds bad <laughs> <laughs> but but 
from my sort of recovery story point of view, that comes into play in terms of if I if my dependencies on people are so great that my values are their values, right? Mm -hmm. I've lost myself, right? If uh, if my need for feeding an addiction or any other desire is so great that I will uh, sell my soul for it, problematic. If those principles are sort of pulling me along and guiding my life, the challenge is we'll deal with those. We don't know what they are, but we're going to be able to deal with them. What a, I love what you're saying about that. And and it's like so often, I, th I think, you, can, you may have more experiences than I, I do, Joe, but so often I think that, you know, things like uh, my value system is this, but that applies unless it involves uh, uh, money. You know, and then and then all bets are off. You know, it's it's like like I you know now it's almost like we don't we don't trust the universe with with our money. It's but what you just said is so akin to to you know what we tell people is you don't have to. I mean, it's so powerful. What you just said is what you don't have to be able to predict the future. You know, you yeah. don't have to because because that's what we try to do. What would you do? You know, you know how many we could have an endless list of hypotheticals. If this were to happen, if this were to happen, if this were to happen, and we can get overwhelmed with that. And it's like, but the idea is that you're saying is come back to your value system, and trust yourself. Is is because just what because mm -hmm. that's we can generalize that to the whole the whole recovery thing. It's like no no you don't have to know everything that's going to happen to you, but trust that if you if you're if you're making these these calls according to your value system wherever it is because you also said that's going to change. Some things are going to change over time. In different times in our lives, certain things certain things are have different positions on our value system, and uh, but it really comes down to trust yourself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, paddle your that own. Feel, canoe, that feels right? reassuring. That's a re that's that's a solid reassurance. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that sit with you, Patrick? There was a hollowing out that I experienced um, after prolonged addiction issues, and um, I had to become reacquainted with my value system. Um, pick up where I left off, at probably like early adolescence. Learning a practice, putting it together as I go, is a way of uh, a practice of recovery. Um, being accountable to others and being in touch with other addicts um, kind of like puts me in a confrontation, positive types of conversation, confrontation with that value system. And um, I, uh, I hope that like more than just ego and self-interest, I hope that like um, the way that I can uh, approach this situation with my girlfriend, things can spring from a place of love and wanting greater intimacy and connection between us and um to kind of maintain a unified front and um that yeah like i don't get too in the weeds away away from that which i, I away from that center and i do feel that that's the that's the center um but um it's really been testing me you know i i think yeah well, Patrick, one of us I, I love how you're describing that because one of the things i think that if we're not careful with, with relationship as we do in a big, bigger picture too is is we'll see things like this as obstacles to to our our relationship and to getting on with our lives and stuff like that but it's not it's it's like it's it's it, it is the life it's the reason we have partners for one thing it's one of the reasons we have partners is because you hear people who are in, in long-term relationships say just we go through this together you know and that's and that's what you're that's what you're doing it's like it becomes I, you know i'm 
as an old married guy, I can say to you that that ultimately becomes a, to a to a large extent what what love you know at my stage of life is made of is is like like the the among other things the accumulated shared experiences that that we have and the idea that for you to be able to to say to her you know you know i don't know if i can i don't know what i can fix or not fix but i can guarantee you this thing you're not going through this by yourself that's that's relationship you know and i, and I often tell people when they're getting ready i have a client that's getting ready to get married and i say now listen if, if they when they say for better or worse Please understand that they're lying to you about that because it, that, that it should not be or it should be and for better and worse because or indicates that the worst may not be coming, but it's like it's both coming one better stuff and, and horrible stuff hard stuff is going to be there and that's what you do and we, we're going to go through that this is better and worse and that's you guys are totally capable of doing that and it's a it's a, it's, you need to know it's a beautiful gift for you just to say I'm there. And I try that to apply to community too, you know, our yes. home group or mm -hmm. me and my accountability uh, partner in recovery or me and my running mates, right? That mm -hmm. we are going to share, we'll call bullshit on each other if uh, needed, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we will uh, support, uh, you know, um, radically. And yes. that support shouldn't be that sort of dismissive. Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. But the I hear how you're feeling mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. I really hear you. That, that's mm -hmm. what people need. They don't need to be told. They need to feel like they're heard. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't solve the problem, but it re reduces. It makes it manageable again from overwhelming to difficult. We're not <laughs> alone. That's right. Yeah. We're not alone. Is your, um, it, for both of you guys, is your recovery community pretty close at hand? Like, do you feel like you have to go very far to kind of like, you know, get when you need some somebody else or some, you need your strength to come from someplace else? Is, is, is that very far from where you guys live well, and operate? I'm looking at it. This it's is as it, right close as, as this telephone, too. It's like, yeah, this is, you guys are it, too. And, and it's like, uh, and that doesn't, you know, that, it doesn't take it doesn't take the place of face to face because I we need I need to face to face but but you know to anybody who says that the the virtual stuff is not not real and and there are some people who still say well those aren't real relationships I'm going like you know I consider both I consider both of you friends of mine and I trust both of you I've I've spent one weekend with you Patrick I've never I've never stood in the same room with with Joe it's like that doesn't have a thing to do with my connection to you yeah right. And and I expect we will be in a room mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. sometime. It just seems natural. All and the, all and, three and of the us only thing, the only thing there's a, and Patrick and I already went through this. The only thing we discovered that we didn't know once we meet people in person is how tall they are. Yeah, because we Tom's, don't know. Tom's pretty tall. Tom's a good, uh, you know. No, you're <laughs> taller. Come on, I was I was disappointed. <laughs> that, smidge. You, you were taller. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking Joe's tall. Six he and a bit, six, six just yeah, on one. You're good. So. Bunch see, of events over that's here. That's why we look up to you. See, that's it's it's an, it's an intrinsic thing. <laughs> um, I uh, went to. I think I mentioned I went to an AA panel yesterday, which uh, yeah, is uh, tell always, me about that. Well, it's always kind of funny because I've been to a couple before. I mean, you guys have probably been to countless, but like it was a sober living um, in Long Beach, California, and mm -hmm. um, 
it almost felt like uh, this was like the uh, uh, we were entertainment for the kids' birthday party. We were like the clowns, you know, with like you know doing the <laughs> AA presentation. Um, but like uh, it was, um, it just reminded me of like my tentative first days or first weeks in sobriety. Just like very open faced, like they were very with it. Like I have had panels where you could just tell like the people that were there were just in a really bad way. And like, I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure if I was even welcome really, but I, we, we did our best, mm -hmm. but yeah, but yesterday it was, yeah, just very young kids. Um, and yeah, just, uh, I, I kind of made a mistake. I didn't talk about the steps. Uh, I, I forgot to even mention the uh, steps. I talked about details, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I, I, because the steps don't matter unless they connect with the people in the fellowship. You don't do the steps on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I well, the one, the couple of things I said was that uh, it's something to do. Um, so you know, when when you when you when that hollowing out occurs, you're going to have a lot of time on your hands. And I think just walking through the steps with a sponsor, as has even in its most haphazard way, wow. is going to be like a a good use of time. It'll take you some interesting places. Uh, and I said that there was an unburdening. I felt. What the the degree of that unburdening? I think, like you know, it's, it's I, I can't objectively say, but but then also don't uh, do it first and then decide. Mm -hmm. That's you know? good. And by the way, the ways you 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 uh, you talk about you know what you kind of evaluate what you said. The very first person who hired me as an alcohol and drug counselor long long before I was sober. It's like it was just, but it was a, a first job I had as an alcohol and drug counselor. It was a very wise woman, and and she and one of the one of the things she said to me in my first meeting with her was never, never, never be so arrogant to think you know where your help goes, and and so you know mm -hmm. the idea is she said she says because because and it helped it's helped me so much because the idea is you know that moment those moments are over you did you were who you were you did that and you will have and and truth is after years of doing this and hearing back from people who 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 will say that i influenced their life it's like i never get it right it's, it's it isn't it isn't the clever wise things i think i said that made a difference it's something else and very often it's just about who i am my being some some people say oh well you said this so and so and so and so it, cha it changed my life i go like i don't even remember saying it i'm kind of doubt that i did but you you know you go like okay it's like that's good so that's what you do you you provided a, you know talk about attraction not a promotion you 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 provided a model a role model for these people to see and, and to see, a, in my opinion, a cool, a cool, a cool guy that is, that is in, in recovery, you know, so that, that all, all those stereotypes that, that I used to have is I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to be one of those nerds that don't drink. It's like, you know, and you did that and, and, and somebody, somebody's touched in there. And, and the, the thing my, fr my friend Claudia, Claudine said too, she said, you don't even know, you might say something to somebody else that it may do nothing for them, but they may say it to somebody else who says it to somebody else. And that makes a difference. It's just your ripple effect, you know, and we just do the best we can in the moment. I was grateful to be able to do it. It was really, it really helped me you know, selfishly. I love, I love the description that you guys were the clowns at the party. Yes. 
<laughs> well, it's just so funny because it's like you're coming into somebody's living room, essentially, and just kind of like, you know, it's weird. I've never, rarely had somebody that I don't know come into my living room and pitch me. So. Well, I mean, trying to describe recovery to somebody is like trying to teach someone swimming without getting them in the water. <laughs> it's not an intellectual process it's not right. a course you take and learn mm -hmm. it it's an experiential That's process yeah. that we do together and uh so it, there's only so much we can do and people won't remember what you said they'll remember how you made them feel that's right and if they felt good uh they'll remember that as something to do with this uh, 12 and 12 or American mm -hmm. Airlines or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Some other AA. <laughs> some, some, so it has something to do with A. I don't know. It's, 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 it's vague. Yeah. Well, there's there was an aspect, too, of, you know, that uh, I think I mentioned that people there at the sober living were quite young. And um, mm -hmm. I was careful to mention that, like, my, you know, my experience with drugs and alcohol is that, you know, it works until it doesn't. Um, and uh when you're young and strong and like are on the younger side and just like pursuing that solution full tilt, um, that's the thing that like, that's where people can only really decide for themselves. Like, you know, whether this is where cease to work or not. And, um, you know, I just felt it was important to give lift service to kind of like, look, you know, I, I reached a point where, um, I was just maxed out and uh you know the the chaos that my lifestyle was had wrought and like the the pain of it and just the burden of it all it just got to a point where I needed to make some fundamental changes but a person who has not arrived at that place um there you know that's that is like concrete that is that can be very I I would not try to overcome that with somebody else who's Right. Mm -hmm. uh, again, fear of loss is a it it, it trumps desire for gain. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they see uh, alcohol or drugs as the solution to sort of uh, anith anith and to solve their problems. Yeah, anesthetize. <laughs> that's it. That's a I rough one. No, I can't do that one either. <laughs> yeah. And and so you're saying no, no, you have to stop taking your medicine because that's mm -hmm. that's what you say drugs and alcohol, they hear medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And and until the, they need hope that there's another way and you don't get hope from anyone other than someone already in recovery. So you probably right. gave them a little bit. And yeah. if they do make it to a meeting, they'll get a little bit more of it. It's kind of like COVID. You can't get COVID here. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. But what, what what you said, Joe, is is, is the the yeah, the the talk about fear. The 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 fear the fear of loss will will uh you know definitely trump uh, hope and in, in, in anything. And 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 it's and it's sometimes you say medicine. For me, it was uh I mean, it was, it was felt bigger than that. It felt like identity. You know, I was, yes. you know, I never, I, I never meant to be, this is a total accident that I write, I write self-help books. I, my, my younger self would be completely offended to learn this. It's like, I was, I'm a writer. I, I, you know, I, I'm not even, I'm, I don't even remember making a decision to be a therapist. I apparently I made that decision somewhere in an alcoholic blackout. I don't know, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I love what I, what I woke up to find in this, but it's like letting go of alcohol was letting go of, of who I thought I was. 
And it's like, and it was, you know, and, and weird, strangely, you know, my role models were very often, you know, alcoholic uh, authors of the early 20th century who killed themselves. Uh, but, but it's like, it, that was the romance of it. And that was the thing I believed in so much. And it's like, I didn't know who, I honestly didn't know who I, I'm not, and I know I don't have that one. That's not just me. Everybody has some version of that, but I honestly didn't have any clue who I was. Uh, when I stopped drinking and I didn't, you know, and the idea that I was doing that be because that's the only way that I was going to, uh, the only way Dee, Dee wasn't going to kick me out. And, uh, and I also knew because I, you know, ironically, I was the director of an alcohol and drug treatment center is that I, you know, that I wasn't going to lose my career. So the fear uh, those, those fears of loss now that I, now that I put that together, Joe, it's like, yeah. so those, the fear of loss that actually worked for me. Yeah, to get me to do that because I was there was there were two very real losses I was going to have if I ke kept going. Yeah, and it was it wasn't the hope of recovery. No, it it was not. It was yeah, yeah. it was I don't want my I don't want my wife to kick me out. I don't yeah. I don't want to lose my career. It's like yep, yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean a lot of people save money from fear of consequences mm -hmm. uh, because <laughs> they don't have a clear idea of what like retirement uh, or. Mm -hmm you know, being financially independent would even look like they got no, nothing to relate mm -hmm. to, but, but they're still trying to avoid consequences and, yeah. uh, you know, of paying taxes or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the incentive is. Yep. Yep. And, you know, just like whether it's our career or money, uh, if are, are these things, uh, like money isn't evil, the love of money is evil, <laughs> the root of all evil, right? Mm -hmm. Money mm -hmm. is uh, energy. It's uh, our career is an energy. It's a, it's a way we can, uh, you know, what feed our family, become rich, serve our community. Uh, different people in each of our profession will have a different answer for that. But, but we get to, you know, paddle our own canoe just mm -hmm. to use alan's words while he's not here <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, exactly you know so, something uh i thought of when you were uh walking us through that tom is that i uh if you were to be confronted with your younger self i think mm -hmm. that you you would be very kind to him <laughs> and you know uh i think that's a measure of the progress you've made right is that like yeah you know, oh, you, you, yeah yeah, I, I I would be so kind to him. I'm not. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even mention the self help books. <laughs> <laughs> right, you maybe just leave that leave that unsaid. Yeah. As far as money, I uh, I backslid a little bit yesterday. I got a pair of sunglasses that I really liked and that I really had no business getting, but I just needed that shopping therapy in that moment. So <laughs> I don't completely regret it, but you know, probably wasn't the most uh, judicious or you know uh, responsible thing that I did. Okay. This is me coming clean. Confession, confession. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 and send some more. It's like, you know. yeah. I should have just warned them. I should have worn the glasses through this whole uh, podcast, uh, just yeah, to be yeah, super yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. You know, Dee Dee taught me something one time that I really was pissed off about when she was teaching me. We, we were we were traveling. My, I was, uh, I was, oh, I was meeting with my my publisher in, in San Francisco, and it's like, and Dee Dee had gone with me, and and. And I, you know, we were shopping through some really amazing stores and I found something that was just this little, little globe 
kind of I, I couldn't even describe it it was just beautiful and you know it served no purpose whatsoever uh it, you know except for being beautiful and and it's like and it, and it was expensive and it's like and i have that that shopping need sometimes it's like when they wanted it and 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 i was struggling through that and i'd never heard anything like this before but Dee said to me one time and you know, we were looking at it she said you know you can love that and appreciate it and not own it and i was like so true. First, it was like, fuck. Huh. And then, but I mean, I, but this Amazing. is like 20 like something years later. It's like, and I carry that with me. It's like, I, when I see things like that, and, and I'm not, sometimes I feel like I need to own it, but, I, but, it, but it's like, I love the idea that we don't have to own it to love it. Yeah. Especially with technology now, like I could have just uh, probably gotten an app that would make the little glasses float over my head, you know, like in my <laughs> phone, and I wouldn't even had to. But that's for, you know, next time, right? Man, I miss Alan, or lately, like I've just been worried about him, and uh, I'm just so glad, you know, we were going to try and record an episode about a week ago. I could tell that something was a little bit off in our text back and forth. I called him, and I'm just like, hey, man should we just like put a pin in it for today and not record? And he said, yeah, actually that would be great. And I think like, like looking at the podcast more holistically, you know, uh, it, it, I think that that's the best way for all of us to go about it. I'm just like, so grateful uh, that Joe, uh, you know, is, is with us again this week. Um, it's going to be at this point in time, I think it's going to be a little bit um, irregular and kind of like, you know, uh, spontaneous. We're going to be improvising. Um, but I, I just uh, I could tell that like we've got an audience that hangs with us and is like, mm -hmm. you know, um, is open to the open to that improvising. And so, um, you know, we're, we're thankful for you. That, that yeah, is the, the the world of of podcasts is it, it isn't on a schedule. It doesn't have to be a certain amount That's of time nice. yeah. and it doesn't have to have a yeah. certain frequency. Before we finish, I'm going to I'm going to truly date myself at this point because tell something to Joe that I think probably he and I were the only ones to get. But in terms of you being on our podcast, you, you are truly a Charles Grodin. You you are you are the you are the the consummate guest who's always there and and available. It, like like in the old remember the old talk show days with Johnny yeah. Carson, Charles Grodin, yeah. and he was always perfect. I mean, he was he he man could have made a living as a as a talk show guest. There's been a few that have been always on Johnny Carson because yeah, yeah, they lived yeah. around the corner, right? You know, there's that's right. They, 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 they could just be get... there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul Williams. One year he was on Johnny Carson forty eight times. I didn't know that. Oh my God. Oh, I, oh, I sound like Johnny Carson. I did not know that. All right. Great yeah. episode, guys. And uh, until See next you. time. Okay. Until next out. time. All right. Love you. Bye bye. Love bye. You too. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me it ain't a crime to be a human never be ashamed to be yourself rest assured that whatever you're doing will entertain me like nobody else so here's to us my old friends until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again Glass in hand and children on me. Bring some stories, bring your stories 
back to me. 